1: disenfranchised from everything
0: I fall up and I fall down
1: Yeah, I was born.
2: Hello, welcome back to another episode of American Loser it is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. We are live at a shared universe studio in Eatontown, New Jersey. Uh, the kahuna behind the ones and twos, correct? Yeah, this one today. Welcome. We did two episodes in one day, by the way. Kahuna slept through the first one, and Ming had to be our sound engineer. <sighs> It is what it is, buddy. You're okay, man.
1: I'm sorry, okay? No. Kahuna I borrowed too
2: much fun. <laughs>
3: <laughs> too much fun borrowed like yesterday from today. I
2: truly do love that, <laughs> that that saying. Like, I'm going to use it. There's something romantic about it. We're talking, about, obviously, because Kahuna came in a little hungover. Not a problem here. And uh, we're in the process of getting hungover uh, currently for this <laughs> episode. So, very excited here. We are back at the studio uh, at a shared university. So, thank you, Mike and Ming, for everything you guys are doing for us. As always, we're back home. Um, In the studio. I've had a guest come on in the past, one of my oldest friends. Um, Anthony Cianci is back in the building. How are you, bud? I'm back. Thank you. Number two. You are back, my friend. And uh, you brought a handsome fellow with you this time. I did. Oh, boy. Uh, I did bring a handsome uh, fellow. So we have lost lost my father. uh, My Delf of a father is missing for the South Beach Larry. Uh, We'll be back on the next episode of this show. However... We have replaced that DILF of a father with another DILF of a father. <laughs> Bill Cianci joins the show. Mr. C., thank you for coming on, sir. Anytime. My it. pleasure. No, thank you've you, you have entertained uh, me since uh, the days when I was a freshman in high school. Um, and um, Ant would drive me home, uh, but he would maybe wait like two hours to actually get home. Like we'd go home first and <laughs> hang out. <laughs> He'd work on his car. And we're talking about the Dodge Magnum days. So. Yes, yeah. the Magnum.
3: Uh, we actually uh, – the best memory I think I have of the three of us is – A ride home down the shore? Do you remember that Uh, particular? Let's not go there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of this story, by the way, is that that was my coming home uh, from boot camp weekend. Mm -hmm. That Mm -hmm. when I came home from – because you go to boot camp in the Navy. It's eight weeks out in Chicago. And uh, I'm a moron, so I went in January. Uh, If you ever go to Chicago. The um, polar vortex that hit recently, it was actually physically colder in Great Lakes, Illinois, at the Naval Training Center. Uh, than it was in Antarctica. Uh, I'm sorry, Antarctica. Wow, that's great whiskey. Um, (laughs) This uh, this episode is sponsored by Bullet Rye Frontier Whiskey. Uh, Bullet 95 Rye Frontier Straight American Rye Whiskey. So 45% alcohol proof, 45 45 presidents. American loser, the whiskey. So... (laughs) but yeah, uh, that was uh, that weekend. Um, you get eight weeks in uh, boot camp over in Chicago, and then uh, you go to A school, which is kind of like just boot camp light. And then when I came home, uh, your son told me, "Goes, hey, you got to come down uh, LBI, and you guys opened up the house to me down there." Uh, I think you regretted it within you know, hours. No, I re- regretted the party <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> yeah, for for the record, I wasn't invited to that party. I believe I worked that day. <laughs> It was a good party. It was. I had to be back for a family party, and uh, we were. I was an hour late to my own coming home party, which was great. But uh, that was one of the funniest car rides I've ever been on. <laughs> That's what's hanging out with the seancees <laughs> will do to you. Did you know you can have bourbon for breakfast? I wasn't aware up <laughs> until that day. You can't,
3: you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. <laughs>
2: Dear Lord. Uh, you're not wrong on that one here, but uh, – it is funny though, because uh, uh, you guys um, have always been uh, very good, very pro military family, you know. And uh, you guys were always extremely kind to me um, when I came home from boot camp. And then when I got out of the military, kind of dropped off for a while. But whatever, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but uh, this story we're going to talk about here today is uh, the very institution that I gave six years of my life to—the uh, U.S. Navy. Um, it it kind of came along in, a, in an interesting way here, you know. It's um, this week's loser is oddly uh, more of a culture than it is a, a single person. And it it can't even just be an event because it's a series of events. So uh, the culture and the series of these events we're going to cover, it's a lot of big personalities, uh, some fascinating stories, uh, but also the start and end of two different ways of life. The start being the rise of the United States to eventually become the superpower that it is today. Uh, The end, however, is of something known as the Barbary States and their pirate way of life. Like, Kahuna, how old are you? I'm 23. 23. So when you hear piracy, you immediately assume Disney movies, right? Yeah, that somebody's like, ripping off stuff. Yeah. There's DVDs involved.
1: Yeah, like just stealing. Just always the definition.
2: I hear you. It's funny how that has come and uh, it, that that term has changed the way we view piracy because it used to be a very real threat, you know, that uh, this stuff was going on here all the time. Uh, do you know anything about the Barbary states or the Barbary coast?
1: Government? No, I know nothing about this.
2: It's a couple of the countries don't technically exist anymore, which is where it gets interesting. So the Barbary states are a section of North Africa along the Mediterranean, Okay, so you know you have um, you'll have Italy and uh, um, you know Greece and all these. Uh, so anything that has a uh, Spain um, on the north end of the Mediterranean, if you will, on the south end of the Mediterranean, you actually have uh, North Africa, which is also where the the whole idea of Carthage came from, and uh, you know Hannibal Barca and marching the elephants over the Alps and everything to invade Rome. So it's a, it's been a hopping place for a long, long time. But what's weird is that can you name any of the countries from the Barbary states? Without looking on Wikipedia. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> then, no. It's fucked up. That's a whole chunk of the world here. Nobody really knows much about it. Uh, I found this one out. So it uh, it contains Morocco, Algiers, Tunis or Tunisia, and uh, Tripoli, or as it is now known. Oh, I don't know. I was oh. just going to say you couldn't have picked a
3: worse topic that somebody as
2: illiterate as me. <laughs> <laughs> During this reading, I was like, yeah, the, there's t- two with a T and then there's the, the A1 and – the T. T is for terrific. Um, no, uh, Tripoli is actually now known as Libya, fellas. So okay. there's that. Um, and if you pay attention to the news, you'll know that, uh, thank God, piracy is no longer an issue in North Africa. It's been solved. It's no longer something that people are doing off the coast of Somalia. There's no you know, Tom Hanks movie made about this where <laughs> someone's now the captain now. But... Uh, it does get interesting here because the, uh, the Barbary states uh, were considered to be a part of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, what do you know about the Ottoman Empire, Mr. C.? Uh,
0: not much. I just uh, – know that's where – that was the root of, of how the Barbary uh, states got together.
2: Absolutely, because they, they're they, part they, of the they, Ottoman Empire. And
0: they got – when they got tribute money, a portion of it would go back to the Ottoman Empire.
2: Well, it's weird because uh, Morocco was actually an independent nation everybody else kind of had this loose allegiance to the Ottomans who are just Turks really if you want to look at it this way so when the Turks are interesting because they got like that whole um, East meets West idea of uh, Islam so there is, um, there's definitely like a Middle Eastern culture then, but then there's also like certain other parts where they're very pro-Western so interesting guy you know what uh, what makes strange bedfellows is business so the business of trade is really good over there then these guys are going to be okay cool it's really like we don't have bananas in the United States you know what I mean uh, you had to you know People in Rhode Island weren't having bananas. You had to bring them in from somewhere else. So you kind of have this weird appreciation of uh, things that are not normally accessible now that weren't always rapidly accessible back then. So just picture in your head if you can, uh, the first time that a dude saw a banana that was foreign to him. Just this giant yellow dick hanging off of a tree. And, uh, and then people uh, take its skin off and eat it. <laughs> It's terrifying.
3: Yeah. All right. But that had. Well, when you
1: put it like that. Yeah. I, don't,
3: yeah. I don't ever want a banana again. Thanks. Because <laughs>
1: then you have to think about like that first person that was like, this thing kind of looks like a dick. I want to eat it.
3: Like, well, the worst part is when condoms came out too, they started <laughs> using bananas. That's all I have stuck in my head right now. Yeah.
1: Did they do that thing in school with you too? No, the did teacher? Not, thank God! Oh my God! It was the they most did that for real? Yeah, the, the most awkward thing any of us ever had to witness. The teacher actually put it. Yeah, yeah the, I don't
3: need the visual with the no. hand. That's fine.
1: I wasn't I going it. to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh man, we've uh, we've Pat Dixon this episode. Look right. what, what you did! No, it's uh, it gets interesting that way, man. These guys are are fun to talk about too because um. Uh, uh, the Barbary States, like we said, part of the Ottoman Empire, but there's this Mediterranean kind of look to them. There's uh, – like we said, uh, uh, Muslims with a Far East sense of fashion and weaponry. So they're actually big on like the curved swords and stuff like that. Their outfits are often uh, lavish and colorful, but uh, their ships and their nautical skills were highly developed and their efficiency at pirating was only outmatched by their brutality. Uh, how many old movies can you, you sit there and think back on, Mr. C, where uh, you would see like a guy getting taken uh, captive – by uh, you know the the Barbary pirate type people, you know maybe in an, in an old old yeah, in the, movie, in the old ones like it that. was very common yeah. yeah we've kind of gotten away from that here these people are are largely forgotten about this story ends by the way with essentially French um the you know France occupies Morocco and then you have that whole French Algeria thing going on which to this day is I mean there's the North Coast of Africa is very different from the rest of the continent so there's a lot of there, there's also, too, uh, not for nothing, uh, I will give a shout-out to Ethiopian food. Um, all jokes aside about uh, you know the, the problems over there, Ethiopian food might be the best foreign food I've ever had in my life. Really? It's oddly very good. They're they you serve it on a,
3: eat it with your hand?
2: Yeah, they serve it on – there's no utensils, really. So what they do is they serve it on like this uh, moist, uh, almost pizza dough, an uncooked pizza dough that you then pick it up uh, and you, you eat uh, – the dough is kind of your uh, fork and knife, mm-hmm. if you will. So you use that to pick everything up. So very so cool there. Delicious.
0: They've yeah. been wanting to get to Marcus Samuelson's place in the city.
2: That's a oaf. Oh, now, uh, now we're talking, actually. That might be uh, – that's another potential sponsor for this show. Red Rooster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the name of it? I have no idea. Yeah. It's worth a Google on that one. Here we Here's fantastic.
1: We should do a meetup event soon where it's just like we just go through all of these places that you've talked about. We tour all of the American Loser like significant landmarks and then go eat.
2: It's just got to be in New York though. <laughs> We've <laughs> mentioned. Yeah, there's, um, <laughs> that's the fun part about the melting part in New York though is that you can experience eight different cultures over one square block. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of a fun thing. Um, but uh, like we were talking about here, these guys very brutal. Get captured by the Barbary pirates, that's not a good thing. Like, no. I made my life, uh, you know, quote, at sea, you know what I mean? But uh, I can't, I never felt like I was in ever any actual danger, you know, uh, aside from just the sheer incompetency of a couple of my, you know, lieutenants and shit. <laughs> but uh, um, it is kind of weird, though, because uh, back in the day, these guys who were, you know, making their life at sea, you know, a nautical life, if you will, uh, you just look out and you would just see the Barbary pirates pulling up alongside of you. And uh, you just realize, you're like, oh, wow, we're in for at least three hours worth of a fight with these guys. Uh, and that's the best case scenario. Uh, worst case scenario is I'm enslaved for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And they particularly liked uh, having uh, white Christian slaves for the slave trade that they would resupply back to uh, the Arab slave trade, which is one of the most pop- uh, prosperous in the world at the time. Um, but they would uh, they'd often go out – the reason why you'd go after – they're not necessarily targeting the Christians, but they just knew that the Christians – often wouldn't pay the ransom or it would be very difficult for them to find their way back to the mainland. So whenever they got sold into the Arab slave trade, they were kind of not necessarily complacent, but they were fucked because they were out of options. So kind of an interesting way for why they were targeted. But uh, we would often use our geographical advantage here in the United States to avoid getting involved in a lot of European affairs. Uh, The geographical advantage for the Barbary states, uh, they pretty much called the shots on trading in the Mediterranean. Um, How many tolls did you pay on your way down here, Ant? Well, my dad drove. You didn't game. pay any. <laughs> you didn't pay
3: any tolls. I didn't pay any, and I got lunch for free. <laughs> <laughs> Two tolls, three tolls. I have no idea.
2: Three. Well, uh, they would set up. Uh, imagine, if you will, um, that there's a giant Easy Pass floating in the middle of the Mediterranean, and uh, what would happen is if uh, you were um, one of the ships that had paid the tribute to the Barbary pirates, known as the, the, the their leaders were the, known as the corsairs. Okay, um, if you paid the toll. You were allowed to go on through, no problem. Just fly right through the Easy Pass lane, get on where you got to go, get to your podcast studio.
3: But Be- before we see, I know this one, so I'm going to step in. Uh, <laughs> it's not going to happen often, so I'm going to take advantage. The uh, before we broke off from uh, England, they uh, England kind of paid our toll.
2: Yes, so uh, very much like. Um, uh, a teenager moving out for the first time. You're like, I'm finally on my own. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's uh, – it, you're correct on that. Uh, British uh, Empire, who had the greatest navy in the world too, mind you, uh, they uh, they went out there. They were very uh, comfortable in dealing with these people. They still had incidents every now and then. Uh, but, the, yeah, they, from a trade benefit,
3: from a kind of market benefit, it was better to instead of conquering them to kind of say, hey, yeah, go – Harass people on trade and leave us alone.
2: It's uh, it's almost like um, in Goodfellas when uh, Jimmy Conway, uh, the cops are sent to investigate his cigarette business, so he just makes them partners because it's better than trying to hide the cigarettes from the cops. So kind of a genius movie. How often do you watch that movie? Goodfellas. Uh, I mean, only when it's on. Do <laughs>
3: <laughs> You know specific too much specific scenes in that to like. Oh yeah, I just watched
2: it a month ago. Oh, it's uh, it, you know what it is? that movie's uh, just one of the greatest of all time. But uh, <laughs> in terms of streaming, it's never off that movie. <laughs> also true. Um, now uh, I have watched Goodfellas on TBS, and it's about thirty minutes long. Pesci's not in it. I um, don't know if you guys are <laughs> in the censored version. <laughs> I yet. wonder why Pesci has a cameo.
3: <laughs> is it on Netflix? It is it has in to the be. streaming sense? We'll figure it
2: out as we go good uh, I think um, so. Okay. But uh, so that's kind of the way I look at it for them is that uh, there's this giant floating easy pass. You pay the toll, no problem. You don't pay the toll. Uh, the Barbary pirates float alongside you and then start hitting you with cannons, right? Because they, they had small ships, very fast ships, mind you. Um, they didn't have like a, a modern, uh, a big... Uh, like they would often say that uh, their ships were the, the galleys, if you will, and they were terrified of a frigate. So that's why with... Um, you know, Britain being the great naval power that it was, when they saw a badass, you know, frigate coming through with a, you know, the Union Jack flag on it, the Barbary pirates were like, ah, eh, I don't want to work today. It's not really worth it. So they would stay away from those ships just out of a fear, a respect-based fear almost. But London also was kind of tricky because London would try to fuck other countries over by raising the price, so they would actually uh, encourage inflation for uh, the Barbary pirates' tolls because they knew that Britain could pay it and France would have to pay more. And then other countries – they also wanted to punish the United States for leaving. So we're now over here, uh, these uh, bastards. Yeah, that's right. really what it was. They're like, oh, and uh, uh, we're going to raise the price of uh, you know because it costs what fifteen dollars to go into New York City right now, fifteen dollars. So if you're, yeah, because uh, I always joke that as a New Jersey based comedian, every time we do a show in the city, we operated a negative fifteen dollar deficit <laughs> upon arrival. So not a good look. But um, so what these guys were doing is uh, that easy pass lane. They would raise the price of that. And they were doing that in order to punish the United States, like Ant said, for leaving. Right? So America's finally out there on its own now. These guys, this has to kill you. Is um, you ever drive past a restaurant and it says uh, under new management, and you're nervous as to whether or not it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing <laughs> for the place? Uh, well, these guys who are you know the colonial sailors out there, they're gone. Majority of the you know their lives out at sea. These are years of their life they're spending out there, and uh. Then all of a sudden, they get uh, the colonies under new management sign shows up. And they're like, oh, that's cool. All right, cool. We don't have to pay that that dumb stamp tax anymore. We don't have to, you know, now we can have some representation. You know, we don't have to deal with all that stuff. Uh, But now the Barbary Pirates, that little old agreement that Ant was talking about, no longer in play. So it's done. Uh, The Barbary Pirates also find that uh, here's the best part we're getting bullied now. That's all it is, Mr. C. We're getting bullied out at sea, we're getting the shit kicked out of ourselves. The ships are being impounded right away. Now, they can't pay the ransom, uh, but they also can't fight back. So why would you ever stop beating up a kid that's never going to tell on you? Yep. So they go ahead. They get um, – uh, we got a bunch of ships that are starting to get uh, impounded over there. The crews are being sold into slavery, and it's starting to affect our bottom line on business. Now, uh, a couple of the presidents were pretty kind of loose with how they wanted to play, rather cavalier in their attitudes. Washington wasn't quite sure what to do with them. He thought maybe a show of force, but what are we going to show the force with? We don't have anything. And then John Adams, uh, the, uh, the agreeable John Adams said, well, if the rest of the European nations are paying tribute, why don't we just pay tribute as yeah. well because we're just like the European nations? And uh, that was his attitude. And oddly, you know who this pissed off? Tommy J. Yeah, man. Tommy J. wasn't having it, man. He was a little bit upset. Um, Thank God. T- yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Jefferson was not our president yet at this time. He was always uh, very vocal in his opinions about the Barbary Pirates that uh, he thought it was a matter of honor. So when you get back to the idea of um, – there's a great political cartoon that always kind of surfaced anytime uh, anybody would piss off America. Um, you would just see a, a bald eagle sharpening its claws, and it was, it was like, it's payback time. You know, <laughs> right? Unfinished business.
0: Well, he's right. We just got done cutting the cord with the British Empire. Mm-hmm.
2: And, and now you're going to bow down to pirates? Can't do that. Well, you just beat the world's greatest navy. Why yeah. would you beat a fucking sure. – a couple of rafts of uh, Sears Tires? <laughs> No, uh, excellent point there, sir. And uh, the thing that always uh, kind of threw me off about this story, too, is that uh, it takes a really long time for us to actually figure out what we're going to do here. Because you got different presidents saying different things about how we're going to deal with them. So, like three, five years, something like that. Right, and we are paying tribute to them. Yeah. Uh, now, Jefferson, oddly, if you want to talk about uh, cognitive dissonance, which is uh, believing two diametrically opposed ideas. Um, I think I got that right. I don't know what it means, but I remembered it. Um, it's uh, – Jefferson holds these two ideas that kind of clash with each other that uh, he doesn't believe in the idea of a standing army or a standing navy because he doesn't like the idea of a military state. You know what I mean? Uh, but he is so pissed off at these goddamn Barbary pirates and he's trying to get uh, – figure out what we're going to do in order to um, kind of counter them because these guys are operating essentially like berserker Vikings at this point. Um, the Barbary pirates, they're not just in that area too. They actually were very effective at conducting land raids. And uh, they even got as far up as Iceland supposedly, but they would routinely plague the coast of Italy. You'd have all this gorgeous coastal property in Italy, completely uninhabited because – shame. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. One of the most beautiful countries in the world and the best real estate in the world. And everybody's like, yeah, there's only – well, there's a, there's a problem with the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> They'd leave whole towns empty.
0: They'd take yep. everybody into slavery.
2: It was uh, – It was. the numbers are staggering too when you realize just how many – like that was a, a legitimate fear that people had was to be abducted by the Barbary pirates. Here. And they're very fast in the way that they moved too, which kind of threw more people off too. Uh, these ships are fast. Uh, they, there's Viking tactics they're coming in here with. And they are those, um, those smaller galleys. Uh, so as they're sitting there trying to force these tolls on people, you don't pay them. Uh, you get the shit kicked out of you. You do pay them. You get the shit kicked out of you a little less. That's all it really winds up being. Mm-hmm. So it's a uh, fuck you, pay me. <laughs> uh, now, when a European frigate would be on the war, like we said, the uh, pirates would retreat. So they're not – that is one effective way of dealing with them. But how are you going to counter these guys with a frigate if you don't have any boats of your own? We don't have anything. We talked about it earlier in the previous episode. Robert Morris uh, funded uh, – he was a, a, a ship trader, right? So he's was a, a shipping magnate, if you will. And they made him the de facto head of the United States Navy at the American Revolution. Essentially, we put Jeff Bezos in charge of the United States Navy, all right? So it's Amazon Prime sending stuff over to you. But uh, if you have an Amazon van, it's not quite a tank. You know what I'm saying? So most people would just choose to pay this tribute over to them and kind of move on with their uh, their time here. Unfortunately, um, what would wind up happening is that Thomas Jefferson is doing the numbers. And uh, uh, again, as an idealist, doesn't want a standing army, doesn't want a standing navy. But as a pragmatist, he goes – one-fifth of the entire budget of the United States of America is being appropriated to paying tribute to the Barbary pirates. And there's no regulation, too, because these guys change the prices all the fucking time, mm-hmm. man. They're not good dudes, all right? They're led by these uh, – gr- uh, their leaders are known as Pasha's, P-A-S-H-A. And uh, it actually trips me out a little bit because um, if you bring up uh, the more, Pasha
1: – One more time for
2: me. Oh, yeah. P-A-S-H-A. And uh, so Pasha Yusef was uh, one of the uh, the main characters over here during this time frame.
3: Each uh, each different like country or state had their own, correct? Yes. Okay. So there'd be four where or they were all called something different. Uh,
2: well, it's different because there's also the a tribal nature to uh, how that they okay. uh, they live their lives. But um, it's uh, it's a good question too because. Uh, with the Pasha's uh, when we talk about the Barbary states uh, we have to be collective in order to to even have the conversation otherwise I'm going to say well and Algiers did this and then Tunis did that but then Morocco was doing so they kind of just lumped them in all collectively because that was how they were dealing with them at the time by the way you weren't looking at the screen though they literally just had a Pasha Mediterranean restaurant pop up I believe it <laughs> um, now what's weird is uh, Pasha Yousef uh, that pops up here um, in the story he actually in the face looks like my dad <laughs> Which, that'll mess with you. I've never seen my father as a, a sultanesque character. You know, That's more fantastic. A, I didn't realize German-Irish people could look like uh, you know they belong in Aladdin. So uh, I read,
3: too, that the way you would become a pasha or somebody new is you literally would slaughter them. And then you would be the new king or whatever. I don't know
2: if that was the Pasha or just for each tribe. Well, there was a, there was a monarchy vibe to them too. Uh, you're absolutely right, man, because uh, Pasha Yusef uh, is in power because he overthrew his brother, which comes into the, uh, the later part of the story here. Um, now, what's weird though is that uh, even when the British government is conceding to uh, paying these people their bribes, if you will, uh, it's just you're pretty much buying – they looked at it this way. We're not paying terrorists, which, by the way, that's what this was. Let's not get that twisted. Uh, the Barbary pirates were state-sanctioned terrorists, um, but the way that the British government looked at it, it was like, "Oh, we're just taking out an insurance policy." So it, there was very much a, a mafia idea, you know. <laughs> it's a, you got any problems? You came to Pasha. Pasha said, "Fuck you, pay me." Um, but it all becomes kind of customary here. They move on with all that stuff. Uh, having a Corsair in your pocket tended to be a good thing because being captured and held for a ransom, the uh, it often wasn't coming back, and the conditions were brutal. If you look at these prisons that these guys had, did you see them, Mr. C.?
0: Uh, the ships alone, uh, the, the row ships. Uh, were Brutal. Everybody's just forced to sit in their own feces, and just, they just were, – they weren't allowed to get up at all. They literally sat on that bench rowing until they died, mm-hmm. eating
2: – Pooping, peeing. Tiny little cages, too, on land. That wasn't very good. Now, they had a hierarchy to the prisoners, too, by the way. If we were sitting here, we're at a shared universe studio right now in Eatontown, New Jersey. um, And if the Barbary pirates kicked down the door to this studio and took all of us into captivity, uh, they would sort us out in a certain way. Um, they would sit me and We'd would, probably be Separated from you Yeah it would be uh, th- We're th- just too beautiful Sorry well, well they'd put a sword Up to all of our throats <laughs> And then they would just say uh, They would say host And then I would leave Because I'm the host <laughs> And then uh, you two guys they'd, they'd be like What do we do with these guys are like They're guests So you guys would be Shackled together And put into another thing And then uh, the, the host Would be sitting, and then, But then unfortunately They would sit there And they'd say uh, Ah Kahuna sound engineer <laughs> <laughs> So they'd put a little hat On Kahuna And then Kahuna Would be a, a consult To the posh over there Now where Kahuna's Walking around calling the shots all of a sudden because uh he's more important to them. So and then we would just sit there having to hope, having to hope that we get ransom sent for us, you know. I'm sitting there and it's a uh, you know, I, I realize what it is. My dad would sit there and be like, we can either pay the ransom and he moves back in. <laughs> or kind like
3: we never got the letter. <laughs>
2: Brutality, man. Um, now, that British tribute ended abruptly after the American Revolution, which led to all of this in the first place here. Um, and these American ships are being hunted like dogs. It's not a good – not a good look at all really for us. Um, in 1778, they tried making a move here. that uh, The U.S. called on France uh, during a treaty known as the Treaty of Amity and Commerce. Know, uh, Mr. C is nodding, so he knows about that one. Yes. Uh, in 1778, they called on France to use its diplomatic powers to help aid American merchants being returned – who are uh, being uh, taken prisoner by the Corsairs and also to discourage the Corsairs from uh, attacking further U.S. vessels Um, because we didn't have anything. We had no move here. It was like, France, can you help us out a little bit? (laughs) But around this time frame, France has a couple of things going on too. We talked about in the earlier episode. Uh, It's not good when your revolution ends in something called the Reign of Terror. (laughs) You got off an exit early or too late when your uh, revolution ends that way. And you're now heading into Napoleonic uh, times over in France. So not quite our ally here either. Almost a rival on the world stage. Did did France sign a treaty with Monaco or am I getting ahead? Uh, There is something down the line here too. But the reason France is pissed at us at this time frame is because uh, we've decided that now that there's new management in France, well, our debt was to old management. (laughs) We don't owe you guys anything. They literally went bankrupt supporting the American Revolution too. A lot of people don't know that. But – Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, Britain had – because they were – it was one of the most unpopular policies that – almost the same way that uh, the colonists were rebelling for taxation without representation. Uh, Now the French people are having their money. There's people in France. There is no middle class. Those people are starving and uh, the the crown is funding uh, the efforts of the colonists as a a fuck you to the UK. (laughs) Unreal. Yeah, they have – there's very much a – I look at um, England and France like uh, – Two hot chicks competing for the lead role in a movie. You know what I mean? Where yeah. They're very, very bitter and very catty at each other at all yes. times here. So um, – but uh, now we go ahead and we decide in uh, 1789, uh, we've adopted the US Constitution, right? And uh, that actually helps us out a lot because uh, prior to that, we had the Articles of Confederation, which did not allow us to tax people and lay these uh, burdens upon the people, if you will, for you – know, they always say it's for good shit. Like, oh, we're going to – we'll help build this. It will be for infrastructure. But, you know – what we wound up doing is uh, now that we've adopted the constitution over here, uh, a couple of years later, March 27th, 1794, six frigates have now been commissioned and the United States Navy is officially created. All right. I, I really shudder to think this. If you don't know, on board a modern U.S. Navy ship, they have um, a forward and an aft CHT uh, container. OK. Um, these are just giant tanks. Uh, it's called CHT, and it's uh, collecting, holding, and transfer tanks. Uh, you want to guess what goes in those tanks, Ant? People? I wish, buddy. Um, oh, it's shit. It's something people make. Uh, <laughs> so all of your gray water and they sewage. They don't just dump that? Uh, you, <clears throat> you can dump it, but you can't dump Imagine – can you just imagine how terrible – Just rolling object, up to somebody's backyard? We're just here
3: to dump the shit.
2: Yeah, imagine how bad of the a Clark, look it would be if uh, every time you flushed the toilet, you just saw a turd fly out the side of a battleship, you know? <laughs> kind of a different... Uh, very
0: small uh, torpedoes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, a, yeah, just an army of Mr. Hankees. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, I didn't tell
2: who that
3: was. <laughs> I didn't tell who that was either. <laughs> I thought it was you. I thought you. you hit a button. No. <laughs>
2: I, I hate that. But uh, you had a cat. <laughs> South Park started when I was in uh, fourth grade. I got very good at that impression. Um, got in trouble for it a lot, too. But... Uh, more importantly, uh, these collecting, holding, and transfer tanks. You, uh, you're you allowed to empty them when you're out at sea, but you can't empty them when uh, you're in port. So, Because you'd be shitting, <laughs> literally, and then just sitting in your own <laughs> shit. You know? So uh, they have these collecting, holding, and transfer tanks. That was one of my responsibilities on board the ship I was on. Get out of here. Which was a uh, guided missile destroyer 64, the USS Kearney, uh, 505 feet of American fighting steel. But uh, it was interesting because uh, I wonder what the first – commissioned frigates in the Navy had for CHT tanks. I'm pretty sure these guys were shitting in buckets.
3: Oh, yeah, just throwing it overboard. Yeah. Well, just uh, hanging over the
2: rail. Uh, in World War One, I, I found this out. They actually would uh, build a rail in the middle of a field and about five guys would all sit on it together at the same time, shitting over the side of a two-by-four. And uh, there was a, a terrible story of one group of guys in the British <laughs> right Army. Then. Yeah. Just imagine, all four of us, all four of us sitting here uh, on a giant two-by-four and we're, uh, we're taking a dump over the side of the 2x4. There's artillery shells coming in, right? And uh, we don't know if we're ever going home. And then uh, all of a sudden you hear a, a loud sound. And you're like, my God, is that more artillery? And then all four of us are on the floor under a broken 2x4. <laughs> <two by four. laughs> I found that out. It was, a, it was a fantastic movie I took my dad to see. It was called uh, They Shall Not Grow Old. It was Peter Jackson did the World War I footage. Absolutely amazing if you can see that. Um, I'd like to. Uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out, sir. Um,
1: the thing he just did recently, where he colored like Ward Ward
2: footage, yeah, it was uh, it was oh, it was
1: beautiful.
2: It was really a breathtaking thing, man. We um, I I was covered in uh, I'd worked excavation that day, so I was covered in concrete dust, and I left a little residue on the seat behind me. <laughs> 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 but uh, right. otherwise, me and Dad was great here. Time. Yeah, it was great. Um, now. Uh, Kahuna, you know Dasher and Dancer and uh, Comet and Cupid, uh, but do you recall the name of the first six frigates commissioned by the United States Navy?
3: Rudolph? Sorry. (laughs) I had to.
2: The first Uh, one had to be America. Very very close here. I'm going to see if he can get any of them, but just uh, off. Sorry.
1: This is a wild guess because I have no idea. Canada? I don't know.
2: (laughs) The U.S. would name its first ship the Canada? No. Oh,
1: wait. (laughs) <laughs> name, Wait, go? name the first ship that they Yeah, I'll take Was well, it I, the Enterprise? Because I saw a picture of the of a battleship earlier when we were looking at the There is
2: um the, there is some truth to this. Now um, the US Navy loves tradition. Like they absolutely love tradition. And um the That they, traces
3: back for hundreds of years though. Oh yeah. Right? Well they
2: call it um Can I have another guess before you make that point? Oh yeah what do you um, got? George Washington? Uh interesting. Um no. Okay. No, uh, there are ships named after. uh, uh, That's a huge honor still to have a ship named after you. Independence. Um, Yeah. My. um, Actually, I don't want to get too off topic on this one, but (laughs) my friend Jackie Byrne has a great joke in her act where she says that uh, when her uh, fiance they were together eight years and um, the fiance uh, finally got her a ring, but before he got a ring, um, he bought a boat, and she goes, uh, she goes, "This is fucked up." You know, like I should have had a bigger ring if you are going to buy a boat. He goes, oh, well, I'm going to name the boat after you. And uh, the boat's called the Nagging Bitch.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's my friend Jackie Byrne, one of the funniest. Uh, oh, my God. She's hysterical. Gold. But uh, March 27th, like I said, 1794, six frigates have been commissioned. And the U.S. Navy is finally created, literally like Mr. C. said, in response to the Barbary Pirates. So we owe these guys the, our Absolutely. debt for Absolutely. And uh, we do borrow a lot of English ideas here. And England has the finest navy in the world. We literally adopted almost all their customs. So the ships are uh, the USS Congress, you know, because uh, I guess who, who had approval of that, I wonder. Um, <laughs> the USS President, okay. The USS Chesapeake. The USS United States, as you said earlier. Uh, the USS Constellation. And a uh, pretty well-known ship here. Uh, old Ironsides herself. The USS Constitution. The oldest commissioned frigate in the world. Still important in Boston. Still goes out to sea regularly. Love so, it. Pretty amazing here. Um, what does the USS stand for? United States, ship? United States ship. I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, now if I have that wrong and I get lit up in the comments, I'm going to, never, never, never. No,
3: you do you're
2: right. Yeah. My buddy, uh, uh, Stu Greenberg and Nick Franco, if I'm wrong on that, let me know guys. Um, but, uh, I did think this was interesting here. The second oldest frigate in the Navy was actually the USS McInerney. Uh, and if you guys have never heard of that ship, it's because we decommissioned it when I was, it was our, it was in port with me in Jacksonville. So we used to, I literally it was parked next to us. And, um we sold that ship to Pakistan that uh, our oldest frigate is uh, – was sold to Pakistan. And uh, when I left the Navy, I went to BAE Systems and I was working as a shipyard welder over there on the McInerney that was being commissioned and given to the Pakistani Navy. Uh, for the entire duration of the project, the Pakistani Navy was trained almost every single day on how to handle so – it. they had the, the best and brightest. They had their engineers. The Pakistani Navy signs a 10-year commitment by the way. You can do four and leave in the, the United States. Ten-year commitment in Pakistan. And uh, these guys are living over here in Jacksonville, Florida. And uh, the first week that they took the ship over by themselves on their way out of the port in Jacksonville, they crashed into a jetty. Wow. Yep, crashed into a jetty, had to turn around, and you just saw all the bosses from BAE Systems say, oh, you know, I got a guy that can look at that for you. It's wow. <laughs> oh, <that's laughs> crazy. But fascinating people here. Uh, so these six frigates have now been uh, uh, commissioned over here. And uh, the United States is ready to finally start defending our interests overseas. Uh, the you got yourself some badass ships. You've got yourself this guy, the uh, Pasha of Tripoli, a man named Yusef, who is now uh, saying that he will only allow the release of certain prisoners uh, that he's keeping over on the Barbary Coast. Uh, in exchange for a higher annual tribute from the United States. Yeah. Jefferson's already pissed because yeah. a fifth of the budget for the country is going to paying these assholes.
3: That's what the whole That's the whole reason the six ships were made, though,
2: too, right? It's not like, oh, you know, we're getting into squabbles with them. It was like, oh, they have our people. What do we kind of do? Well, they have our people, and uh, they keep uh, – because you're seeing it's almost a cronyism that they keep changing the price of doing business. So even mm-hmm, if yeah. you want to do the John Adams thing of like, oh, well, we'll just do as the Europeans do – You now have to sit there and realize. Well, we got to show these guys something here. We got to, you know, let's uh, let's do a little arms, you know, bicep tricep workout too while we're trying to be agreeable. But uh, this man Yusef over here, uh, when he decides, then he says, "If you do not, the United States, he's talking to. If you do not honor uh, the new arrangement for these uh, increased tariffs, if you will, um, which we're not big on taxes in America to begin with, (laughs) Uh, no." He says, uh, "If you guys don't agree to this, uh, I will declare war on you." So, Pasha Yousef has now declared war on the United States. The way he declared war, by the way, marched over to the American consulate and chopped down the American flag. Yes. So we're not big on the flag hitting the ground either. No. Uh, kind of pisses us off. Didn't they increase almost ten percent of our national budget? Yes, in order, to, uh, in order to allow for these ships to be built because, again, it's, it's so funny too because you have a guy like Jefferson who's not all about this. He's a, he doesn't want us to have a standing army. And then he goes, but it's critical. Mm-hmm. All right? You got no choice now. So it's a, um, just a, a way of him trying to make things right. And he's pissed off. And there's this American sense of honor here. But you have your villain in Pasha Yousef in order to sell a war. You have a just cause because men are being held captive overseas and everything. And now finally, uh, you all you're looking for is a hero. You know, you need a, a main character for this movie. And uh In walks a fella that we're gonna just refer to as uh, Stephen Balls to the Wall Decatur. All right. This guy first of all, he has a, a ship named after him as well. We've already talked about how important uh and what a huge honor that is. Uh Stephen Decatur was the son of a Navy man himself. He was a uh, of French Irish descent. Uh interesting mix on that one, right? That's um that's the kind of drunk that uh, uh, uh apologizes more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Decatur was a highly skilled naval officer who was adored by his men and then also oddly uh, admired by his enemies, which uh, he makes plenty in these uh, Barbary wars here as it becomes known. He's uh, renowned for his courageousness and his willingness to go above and beyond the call of duty. Decatur's already a popular guy, but he's about to become a national hero. So this is um, – I'm being sincere. We're at the 36-minute the mark, about to hit the 37 mark. Uh, this is one of my favorite stories in American history. I'm so happy you guys are on this one. Um, cool. This is not just the whiskey talking. June 1st, 1801, Decatur is serving as the first lieutenant on board the USS Essex, and he is sent with many other ships, including the USS Philadelphia and the USS Enterprise, uh, to the Barbary Coast. Decatur saw early action against the pirates and was even able to help capture a ship that was claimed as a prize of war. Uh, This ship would later be renamed the USS Antrepid. All right. Yep. You know anything about that? You ever yeah, drive to... about that? <laughs>
3: <laughs> it was Criminal Justice Club in high school. It took us to that.
2: Not bad. But a little bit different. Uh, kind of Intrepid back then. We, <laughs> we like to recycle names. There the wasn't
3: a, a space shuttle on it.
2: No. It's a... <laughs> well, uh, you could tell it was the USS Intrepid because uh, Nicholas Cage was hiding the Constitution. <laughs> 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 I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, but uh, on October 31st Okay, so keep in mind here, Here's the, the change in time here uh, And keep, also just try to keep in mind sunbaked North African coast too You're going over in June So I'm bitching about going to Chicago in January Imagine going to Africa in June um, So that's June 1st, 1801 Now October 31st, 1803 Alright, uh, you want to talk about having a, a Halloween uh, You know, doing a march of shame The USS Philadelphia uh, Ran aground off the coast uh, Hit an uncharted reef and uh, was unable to free itself from the reef. Uh, the guy's name who was in command was uh, Bainbridge. And uh, the crew was captured and held for ransom. And even worse, one of America's now new elite warships has just fallen into enemy hands. Yeah. So with the Barbary pirates, they had these galleys. So like we said, if they saw a British frigate, they would bail. Now they got a fucking frigate of their own. It's kind of like um, when the Khaleesi's dragon gets killed by the White Walkers. And now the White Walkers have their own ice dragon. I don't watch Game of Thrones. Oh, I wow, I'm the nerd on this episode. Yeah. Oh God. I, I
3: I can't understand an accent, a Southern accent, let alone an English accent. I hear. So. Is that why
2: you only watch The Godfather Part 1 and 2? That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they talk like me. It's uh-huh. um, <laughs> Easy to understand. But uh, yeah, so um, we've now there's the potential that this brand new United States Navy, uh one of its premier vessels, is gonna fall into enemy hands. That's not cool. You can't fucking have that shit. Uh, we have a chance at losing our sea supremacy, which we have. It's the only real advantage we have over these people. They have geographical advantage. They have uh, the quick – we're playing by their rules on everything. Now we have a show of strength, and they try to take that from us. Not going to work, man. No. Welcome to Stephen Balls to the Wall Decatur. Decatur volunteers for a dangerous mission that involves a small landing party and a top-secret mission to burn the USS Philadelphia to the ground in order to keep it out of Barbary hands. That is cutting off your nose to spite your face, but goddamn, is make a good story. <laughs> oh, yeah, so cool. So uh, on February sixteenth, uh, not to be uh, apropos with uh, the anniversary here, um, but eighteen o four, Decatur and a small group of eighty Marines are loaded onto a small ship outfitted with British colors and a crew disguised as traders from Malta. All right, they even had a crew that spoke uh, Arabic and Italian in order to kind of uh, assure this. Now the ship that they have here is a legitimately claimed uh, prize of war captured by decatur that will go on to become the uss intrepid so this is one of the coolest things here and gahuna brought up uh just one of the most beautiful paintings ever for uh how cool is that thing looking uh, it's, yeah right? it's pretty cool that'll be up on the instagram page for anybody who wants to follow american loser podcast on uh instagram. before
1: you before you delve in i found another picture of the us uh the uss constitution that i think is most probably one of the most badass pictures i've ever seen like it's under its own power for the first time in 116 years, surrounded by two battleships and fighter jets above. If that doesn't scream America in this picture, it's quite glorious. America! Fuck, fuck yeah! yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, actually my friend on the USS Carney, good buddy of mine, uh, Sean Kershaw is his name. He actually served on board the Constitution. Uh, that he said it was one of the most uh, breathtaking duties you could possibly have in oh, the military I can imagine That's pretty cool I mean I've been on board it and I was I was blown away by it, it was so cool Do, you, um,
1: do they technically still own it or is it like, like is it still considered, I uh, know it won't go into battle obviously but Well like, it's
2: a physical duty station so it still falls under, um, Yeah, it, it's definitely, it's a living museum essentially Wow So very cool stuff here though um, now, uh, the Intrepid, uh, as it would later become uh, named, is now uh, under the command of Decatur. Uh, Decatur has the Marines on board, which um, the Marines love the Barbary Wars, by the way. That is they, – they showed their metal Hoorah. on that. Well, the opening line of the, uh, the, the Marine Corps uh, uh, hymn, if you will, or the battle song is a, mm-hmm. from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. So Tripoli don't even exist anymore. That's how badass the Marines are. <laughs> we just, <we've laughs> fucked up a fantastical location. <laughs> so – um, but I love this, man. 80 Marines are loaded onto that small ship, and they start pulling up alongside. Now, in uh, Arabic and also in Italian, um, they scream out to the guys who are on board the Philadelphia, the Barbary Pirates, the, the Tripolitans, I believe they're called. Uh, call out to them and they say, uh, hey, man, we lost our anchor out at sea. Can we rope up along next to you here while we you know, try to figure out we're going to get up into uh, – we're going to go into port and get everything fixed? And uh, I mean we're just a couple of you know – we're a British ship, a bunch of sailors from Malta. We're just trying to have a good time, you know? She's a harbor chick. (laughs) So uh, they go ahead, man. And uh, the Barbary pirates are now completely taken by surprise because all of a sudden Decatur screams, bored, right? That's right. They go ahead. They take this fucking thing over. Without losing a single man, Decatur and his Marines take back the ship, killing over 20 pirates in less than 20 minutes, all right? Upon realizing that the fleeing pirates would be bringing reinforcements and that the entire coast is now lit up because they're under attack. They're about to lose this thing. Uh, Decatur orders the now unseaworthy ship They realize there was no way they were getting this thing out of here And if they did it wasn't even going to fucking float So uh, they realize the ship is no longer going to work Burns that motherfucker to the ground Okay, that's that's American badass right there. I just picture him doing a slow motion Denzel Man on Fire walk, <laughs> where he throws a Zippo <laughs> up in the air behind him as he walks away. I think he lit it with the match that he lit a cigarette with. Oh, it's beautiful, man. So, <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know the Rolling Stones are playing. Um, so Steve Decatur and TR are getting a fight. Who wins? That's a great question, my friend. Because um, not for nothing, I, I was talking about this earlier on the show. We talk about don't fuck with TR a lot, but uh, really the Barbary Pirates are learning don't fuck with. T.J. <laughs> Tommy J.'s not having this, man. Um, Decatur gets his men back uh, over there. He is absolutely now uh, a national hero. The entire country. You want to talk about the American warrior ethos that uh, the military prides itself on? It comes from guys like Decatur, absolutely. Uh, he now uh, resumes command of the USS Enterprise. Weird little fun fact uh, when you are in advanced training uh, in the United States Navy, they name the buildings after ships. Right? So they want you to get used to it. It's an indoctrination that you're going to refer to everything as a ship. Oh, the ship. I'll go back to the ship. Um, everyone from this ship you know, muster here. And uh, the ship that I was on in Great Lakes uh, Naval Station for A school when I was learning how to weld um, was uh, the USS Enterprise, actually. So that's how you learn about – and uh, the Enterprise also had many incarnations, too, that fought in World War II as well in the, the – I want to say the Pacific Theater. Um, Decatur's this uh, on the field hero, but uh, the brilliant plans for uh, the Tripoli e campaign and others were laid out by a guy by the name of Edward Preble. You hear about him, Mr. C?
0: I remember the name vaguely.
2: Yeah, Preble's an interesting guy here because uh, yeah. he is the mastermind tactician for a lot of this stuff. Uh, they're trying to figure out ways of uh, either cutting off trade and boxing in uh, you know the Barbary Coast, or also potentially maybe you know what's the show of force we have to use, or are you guys going to smarten up and we'll go back to doing business? So. They're not really absolutely resolute in how they're going to handle this. Uh, Preble's able to gain uh, the cooperation of – now, this is the part I'm excited for you, Ian. You ready?
3: I'm ready. Let's Uh, do
2: it. Who do you think is going to be our natural ally in this? Our natural ally. So we got a guy – keep in mind, you're in in the North Africa area, and uh, you got to find somebody who's going to be favorable to a a Western power. And uh, King Ferdinand of the two Sicilies actually lends us ships in order to combat the Barbary (laughs) pirates. So – these Sicilians. He, he, that's
0: because you want to get back on the beach.
2: <laughs> well, uh, not for nothing, if I'm correct here, guys, uh, and you guys are uh, uh, of Italian descent, uh, you can't trust Sicilians, right? That tends to be the— the. the... I always say we're not Italian, so. Ooh, okay. You have to ask my father. Because so, you guys are actually Sicilian, right? No. No? no? My no. wife is. No, not me. Ah, okay. Now it makes sense now. It's uh, King Ferdinand II of the two Sicilies. Actually, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs>
3: my, my. say you say matricone? No, <laughs> Medigon. It's like when you're not Italian, it's my, 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 my. No, no, no. It's when you're not Sicilian. Oh, is it? Yeah, uh, yeah. Because my grandfather and like my mom's side always says it about my
2: dad and his. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that's because a... his, yeah, grandmother, right, was English. Well, it's, sometimes it's hard to tell a, a Polish last name from an Italian. You guys love vowels, <laughs> you're big on them. So, that's funny. <laughs> but, uh,. Decatur here, uh, he's able to start making things happen uh, and he's getting under the brilliant leadership of Preble. We now get uh, the uh, – King Ferdinand of the two Sicilies is aiding us during this time of war. And they knew uh, soon that Tripoli and the rest of the Barbary coast would soon seek an end to this war. Okay, It's not looking good for them. We just burned down that shipment. That was the only card they had to play and we literally just pissed on the ass or something <laughs> like there's no way. Um, during the second attack on Tripoli uh, – I'm, I'm literally getting uh, goosebumps on my forearms here. Uh, during the second attack on Tripoli, which was considered a successful endeavor by most accounts, uh, planned by Preble, uh, a Tripolitan Corsair wounded and killed James Decatur, the brother of American badass Stephen. So uh, the man who uh, takes over uh, James's ship – so now James Decatur is, uh, is dying, if you will. He's received a mortal wound uh, in hand-to-hand combat with uh, one of the, uh, the Corsairs himself, like a Pasha – uh, not necessarily a pasha, but maybe a lower-ranking kind of a guy, but definitely in charge of his ship. And they're all out on the same coast here. It's not a big area. And uh, James Decatur uh, is, you know, he's now dying. Stephen finds out about this because uh, the ship gets away. James's ship gets away, and they pull up alongside Stephen's ship. And Stephen is literally forcing the surrender of another one of the Barbary pirate ships. And he's uh, he's got his men boarding them, and they're taking the boat over. They got prisoners and everything. And he goes, uh, he goes, Stephen, it's your brother. He's dead, man. And he goes full Sonny Corleone, blasts through the easy pass, fucking can't wait to go <laughs> get his hands on somebody. And uh, it, it actually works out better for him than it works out for uh, Sonny. Um, Stephen Decatur shows up, man. This, uh, this is one of the coolest stories ever. Uh, upon hearing the news that his brother uh, had been wounded and would, uh, knew he was going to die, uh, he finds the Barbary ship that his brother was in combat with. Outnumbered five to one, Decatur boards the ship kicks the ever-loving shit out of the entire crew, yeah. forces the surrender of the boat, and then kills the Pasha himself, the, the the guy who was the head of the boat, if you will, kills that man himself in hand-to-hand combat, avenging his brother's death. Don't fuck with the Decaters. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: That's crazy. Something snapped. Oh, yeah. my God. He went absolutely nuts. He emerges uh, victorious here and uh, avenges his brother's death, one of the great legends of the Barbary Wars. Now, if you want to have uh, – a. Uh, you guys are familiar with the term trial by fire, right? Mm-hmm. So, trial by fire here that always cracks me up is um, if you're going to have a United States Navy and you're going to prove that it needs to be around, uh, these guys aren't going to learn shit if they're in port all day. You learn everything you learn out at sea. These guys are engaged in fucking battles left and right here. This is a long, drawn out war. You're getting the reason we have the world's finest Navy is largely because of these Barbary wars that taught us everything we could possibly know. You've got a fast education out there with these guys. Now uh, we talked earlier about um, that line about uh, from the halls of Montezuma to the shores of Tripoli. Uh, fucked up story on that, Ant. You ready? Go for it. It um, Gets a little bit weird here. There's a guy by the name of William Eaton. You heard about him, Mister C? I, I remember the name. This is a, you're getting about four in the morning now, and <laughs> Jim was with me. In Understood. Bed with me, so uh, another potential American loser. Um, But – so Mr. Eaton is a fascinating guy. This is – he's long been critical of how the United States is handling their issues with um, the Barbary Coast, if you will. And uh, William Eaton decides that uh, in his mind, what he decides and orchestrates is literally what the Green Berets would like make their ethos, that uh, he's going to land on the beach with a very small detachment of Marines and they're going to go out there and they're going to become subversive from within, Okay. They go out there. They try to start aligning themselves. Like, hey, uh, you know, uh, do you guys hate the Pasha? He's kind of a dick, right? What do you guys think about it? Who, who doesn't like the Pasha? Lines up a bunch of uh, uh, from Crete, Greece, and uh, other Arab mercenaries. He puts together an entire fucking army of these guys. And literally, he what he decides he wants to do is he wants to overthrow Yusuf Pasha. And uh, the tactic the CIA still uses, by the way, that's how insane fucking Eaton was. Um, Goes ahead, he says, well, we're going to travel all the way to Egypt. He goes out to Egypt to find Yusef's brother, who, as Ant was saying earlier, in order to become a posh and take over, um, you had to pretty much be brutal. So he threw his own brother out of power, uh, Yusef did. Now they go to find his older brother. They're going to put him back in power. So you, this is the first U.S.-backed puppet regime that we're going to put in place <laughs> so they can play, you know, play nice with the United States. And it's pretty great because, uh, first of all, it's very effective. He swells his ranks. He gets a shitload of people out there. He's got all these mercenaries with him. They're marching. And they have uh, the Battle of uh, Derna. Okay? And this is the first time in American history that an American flag was raised over uh, a foreign country. Okay? So we put that flag up there. Only problem is not a very popular rebellion. Okay? And Eaton swears up and down that if Tommy J had just fucking decided to allow them to keep their foot on the throat of the Barbary Coast, the entire coast would have submitted. Mm. But they said, like, oh, no, we're going to see what happens. We're actually going to agree to some small concessions with them. We're going to go back to paying these guys to not rob us. And uh, Eaton felt absolutely betrayed. But his actual line, when he landed on the shores of Tripoli, that's where the whole thing came from, for the Marine Corps hymn, is that uh, those guys actually did land on there. And that's uh, one of the most badass stories of all time. Uh, Eight men are going to go in and overturn an entire country. So cool. So now uh, the other thing I wanted to get into real quick, uh, you got to go back to Decatur for a second. Mind if I ask you something? Hit me, buddy. So is this – it seems like these guys
1: just kind of laid the found work for the term badass for future generations
2: to come. Like it really – they really laid the groundwork here. What you want to to do is uh, you're a brand new nation and you have to prove to yourself that, A, we're going to stand up to the bullies. right? And then also – and by the way, we got some cool shit going on here too. So this is uh, the start of the American badass thing. You're absolutely right. This is a – Kid Rock is not even I. You know, there's, he doesn't know what to do with it. <laughs> he comes later. You know, this is I, essentially. I believe that we are just an entire nation of Stone Cold Steve Austins at this time. So, pretty cool stuff here. Uh, we got to go back to Decatur for a second. Decatur's a fascinating guy. Um, I love him. He's a national hero. He has ships named after him. He has a uh, Decatur, Georgia, is named Did after him. Do they teach him. you uh, about him in the Navy? Uh, well, Navy history comes up a lot, but I, I knew a lot of it just based off of uh, my own. Um, you know, passions for it and everything. But uh, it is so funny, the same way that you'll go over the Pulaski Skyway and say, well, how did that get its name? And then you go into Casimir and you're like, this is insanity. It's the same way where you're like, oh, that ship, the, the Huey City? Oh, there was a battle called the Huey City? That's uh, what the fuck? <laughs> That's so, crazy. But uh, it's really cool stuff, man. Uh, Decatur is fascinating because he is a national icon. Um, his life and distinguished service, though, because uh, he actually is a uh, uh, present for a lot of the surrender. Uh, during the first Barbary War, because there's two Barbary Wars. I know uh, Mr. C was talking about that earlier. So the first Barbary War, uh, when that one, uh, the concessions that were made and everything, we kind of went back to uh, making peace with the Pashas, if you will. They signed uh, all their paperwork they had to do. But one of the ways that we ensured it was going to get signed was because they sent Decatur over and all the, the Barbary pirates like, oh, shit. They feared right. him? That's awesome. Yeah, it's like, okay, um, let's not piss off this blue-eyed devil. So yeah, Make sure he doesn't have another brother mm-hmm. to kill. <laughs> yeah, we're all fucked. Uh, uh, I, the only thing I could picture it is if, uh, if you just send um, Liam Neeson over. He doesn't say anything. He just stands <laughs> over you and just make sure that you're signing everything. Really. Like, uh, uh, my thing I would do is uh, – because I actually want to get into this. So uh, Decatur gets into a duel, and uh, we've talked about dueling before on the show here. Um, Mr. C, if you had to go into a duel, right, uh, you had to pick your second. So your second has to be your most trusted you know, uh, mm-hmm. aide, if you will. Who are you picking? Oh, you're picking Wells. No, don't fucking pick me. <laughs> I think this kid. You
3: pick Wells. My brother-in-law's a cop who's like he's on SWAT for Bergen County. You're picking him. Yeah,
2: w- <laughs> Wells is a good pick. P- <laughs> Wells is my pick, too. That's weird. <laughs> you're not picking me. What but, are you, uh, nuts? All right, so Mr. C's picking his son, Anthony, which is a good pick. Um, now, uh, Ant, your pick? What do I have to do in the duel, though? We're talking, you know, take 10 paces, turn, and shoot? Yes, well, that's the traditional sense. The, the duel we're about to talk about, a little less traditional.
3: Uh, okay. But, <laughs> but yeah, in that scenario, who might pick? I'll pick Wells. Fuck yeah, yeah, I'm okay, picking okay, Wells. So we're all
2: picking Wells. That's good. <laughs> um,
3: Kahuna, you want Wells. Trust us. Uh, I, uh, yeah, sure. Wells. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, no, it, uh, it makes me laugh here because uh, Decatur is uh, – he's actually on all these councils and everything. And uh, one of the people that um, he's critical of in these councils is uh, a guy who's a, a well-thought-of guy at first. The guy's name is James Barron. Now, Barron's brother was the head of operations in the Barbary Coast. And uh, Decatur served under him. But James Barron supposedly was on trial literally for being a coward. You want to talk about a badass culture, this Spartan-like thing we're doing over here? Barron's on trial for potentially being a coward and surrendering a ship when he didn't have to. So, yeah, they put him on trial. He's not not well thought of. He disappears now. His reputation's ruined. Disappears for five years. Comes back and says that he's looking to um, uh, seek reinstatement as an officer. He's barred from command for five years, this uh, James Barron. Now – When Barron wants to come back, everybody's giving him a hard time and Decatur's like, this fucking guy, get the fuck out of (laughs) here. You're being ridiculous, man. You're not allowed back on this. And um, because Decatur was constantly criticizing him and he wasn't even criticizing him personally. It was just saying, I don't think this is a good fit. Um, He winds up making an enemy for life. And uh, constantly, uh, Decatur is challenged to duels by James Barron in order to uphold his honor. Uh, By the way, my second for the duel, uh, Mike Tyson – that way I don't have to do anything, Tyson just uh, <laughs> You guys know the rules, all right, everybody. I want a good clean fight Nobody bite anybody here. Oh, you, you take, take ten meat? paces and you get a face tattoo.
1: And then that's we all go off a pizza. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, you Got me. Did you guys see The Hangover? <laughs> I want to be able oh to do God. that so bad. <laughs> I'm not going to attempt it. <laughs> oh uh,
1: God. I'll tell you
2: what. A couple more of these bullet rides, we'll all be talking like that. So.
1: <clears> have <throat> <clears throat> you ever seen his show on Adult Swim? That
2: oh, was fantastic.
1: Mike Tyson Mysteries. It's the funniest shit in the world. Nor
2: McDonald's on that. Um, but uh, now you get to this uh, what do you this say? duel. What were we saying? McDonald's? Oh, Norman. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, As we we disintegrate at the hour mark. (laughs) Um, Well, Decatur now, national hero, um, really can't be beat. Fights in the War of 1812, takes care of all this other stuff. Finally succumbs uh, at age 41 to uh, the the constant uh, insults from Mr. James Barron, who's been demanding a duel to uh, uphold his honor. So he goes ahead. Uh, this is fucked up. Dueling had to be outlawed because it was so popular that the United States Navy was losing. At, at an <laughs> I can't think of anything I'd rather
0: do on a Saturday night.
2: No, exactly. It, we had an insufficient amount of officers because all the good officers were constantly dueling each other. <laughs> It was hilarious. But um, – so there's these official dueling grounds too, by the way, which I think is just so funny. that uh, Imagine putting that in a modern context of uh, the uh, the Bloods and the Crips have a certain avenue <laughs> that they do all their shootings on. It gets fucked up to talk about. But uh, now he picks as a uh, – uh, William Bainbridge is going to be the second for a decatur during this duel. And I know – oh, good. He's got it up. Um, he picks Bainbridge. Bainbridge, by the way, was the man who was in command of the Philadelphia when it, it uh, ran a ground. So you'd think that he'd have his best interest. These guys' seconds, all right? Uh, imagine, uh, imagine Wells with nefarious intentions, yeah. all right? Wells is Mr. C's son-in-law, by the way, for those who are just listening at home. But uh, Wells is a good guy, uh, and that's why we all would want to pick him as our second, because he is a good guy. Now imagine we had a not-good guy as our <laughs> – so um, the seconds for both of these guys, the uh, Baron and uh, Decatur, are uh, – they're almost agitating the fight. Now a traditional duel would be about uh, eight paces, like you were saying – and then you turn and shoot. Now, in the turn, the reason for the turn is because uh, you wanted a low mortality rate in dueling, as dumb as that sounds. Um, and the turning would actually often have them miss their pistol shots. So that was almost a, an advantage you would have. Like, okay, cool. So at least we turn and then there's a good chance I'm still going on. These guys uh, were not allowed to stand. They pretty much stood eye to eye, right? Almost an Old West-style shootout, like a Clint Eastwood type of thing. And they would raise the guns from the floor up. So not like the traditional having the gun over your shoulder. It's already raised up in the air. These guys shot from the ground up. And the only rule that was given by the guy calling the duel was, uh, you will not fire. I'll do a count of three. You'll not fire before the word one. And you'll not fire after the word three. So pretty much on two, you got to go. And these two guys stare each other in the face. Decatur wants to, he's sitting there. He's finally succumbed to all these. And Baron's trying to uphold this honor. And Decatur's like, whatever, dude, I fucking – I fought in every war this country's had to offer. Let's just get this over with. I got shit to do. (laughs) And um, the two of them raised their pistols, pretty much shoot at the exact same time. Witnesses cannot decipher the difference. The duel, by the way, took place uh, in Maryland right outside of D.C. on official dueling grounds, like I was saying. So um, the also same dueling grounds that Francis Scott Key's other son was killed by a midshipman uh, over a disagreement, I believe, about a woman – and Francis Scott Key's other son, uh, Philip Barton Key, was killed in Lafayette Square in D.C. Uh, by Dan Sickles. One of the best episodes we ever <laughs> done in this show. So what we've learned on this show is, uh, you know, Francis Scott Key, his sons were dicks. <laughs> <laughs> O'Doyle rules.
0: <laughs> O'Doyle
2: rules. <laughs> so um, now the two of these guys, they both fire at the exact same time. They both collapse at the exact same time. The bullet that hits uh, our boy Decatur. Um, it hits him in the stomach and then actually severs uh, a couple of his arteries. And Decatur, who is a master shot, his shot lands and hits um, our boy Baron, but it, uh, it ricochets into his hip from his stomach or something. So it's uh, they, they both think they're about to die. Uh, have you guys ever seen the movie The Thing, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when Kurt Russell Classic. at the very end, they're both sitting out there freezing, staring into each other's eyes, like, mm-hmm. and they just know that they're, you know, they know that they're going to die, but they're they're going to you know. There's a debate as to who's going to outlive who kind of a thing. Uh, these That's two, always
3: good when your duel comes like, hey, who's going to die first?
2: Yeah. It's a, oh, it's like a tie. It, um, <laughs> if a tie is kissing your sister, right, um, which is what I live in constant fear of. Um, I'm also adopted. We don't know. I could have kissed my sister already. It could have happened. <laughs> but uh, these, uh, these two guys, uh, they shoot each other at the same exact time. They fall down to the ground. And uh, I believe Decatur's words were, my God, I'm a dead man. And uh, they both think they're going to die. And because they both think they're going to die – you get this uh, shout-out from Baron, who goes, goes Decatur, uh, you're a man of honor. I, I, I forgive you from the bottom of my heart. You know The duel was fought right. It legit just got chills. Yeah, because it's, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's a way to go, man. Yeah. Man. And Decatur, uh, he goes, uh, he goes uh, I forgive you. Uh, and then his, uh, his final words, because like, he accepted it. And uh, as he's being carted away now in excruciating pain, uh, I think his last words were, farewell, farewell, my friend Baron." So the two guys just killed each other, like, giving each other, like, you know, warm hugs and kisses. Yeah. Like the last yeah, day of camp really on the way out. <laughs> um, but as hey, a good... you after this, you want to go to the parking lot and shoot at each other? It <laughs> <That> seems fun. <laughs> well, we are in Eaton Town. so <laughs> <laughs> oh, There
3: you go. <laughs> I went in Rome.
2: But, uh, yeah, It um, so the two of them, uh, Decatur now dies a couple of days later. Uh, and he said that he was in absolutely excruciating pain here. So it's one of America's greatest naval heroes dies in a duel. That's another reason why dueling got outlawed. Uh, on top of that too is that one of his major regrets was uh, that he did not get a chance to die for his country he died for his own interest um, now there is like a nobility behind that too but that also means he wasn't getting a pension for his wife. <laughs> 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 so he kind of got screwed on that one here man but uh, back to the Barbary uh, Wars if you will just to wrap up here guys um, we now actually have to get into uh, President Madison winds up becoming involved with everything so because we're hitting the hour mark Um Madison gets involved. Are we turning into pumpkins? Uh, well, essentially, it's uh, it, It's only going to get um, – we're only going to slur more words. <laughs> Drink a bullet. Yeah. Uh, bullet i take listening. a bullet for you.
0: <laughs>
3: I love you, Kevin.
2: <laughs> oh, man. If that's – listen, if that's not advertising, I don't know what that is.
3: Um, Spoiler alert, too. We have a Dodge Magnum waiting outside to cart us off.
2: Also true. Um it was uh, it was interesting though because now uh, Decatur's dead. It's one of the great Navy heroes here, and he dies at age forty one. But uh, in the time frame that we had this, uh, the invasion of Tripoli and uh, you know Eaton going in and having the uh, uh, the covert ops. Did you, you say Eaton? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had to look it up. I'm sorry, um, sorry. I had to look it up to find out as to whether or not a uh, Eaton town. Was named after our boy Eaton, who landed on the the shores of Tripoli. Was it? Uh, it was not. It was already named Eaton Town. Apparently, it was uh, named after a, a man who owned a mill in the area recently. Way more exciting. Yeah, way way. <laughs> imagine that. You're not even the most exciting Eaton.
3: <laughs> did he at the yeah. very?
1: Did he at least die in the duel like a badass? Or no?
2: Negative. Negative. He got caught in a corn grinder. <laughs> <laughs> Well uh, that part was beautiful, man um, Now the, uh, the first Barbary War Ends with a, a pretty much a, a It almost ends like World War I ended Where there's not a victory day There's an armistice day Where they decide that it's just not worth it anymore uh, And there's a lot of punitive things that come out of that um, But now in the second Barbary War uh, It's fought a, Literally, uh, it was known as a Ham-fisted was, It was one of the things that they talked about here Which I still don't know what it means all right, But uh, they fought the war much more aggressively. Uh, and what they realize now, and this is – um, tell me this sounds familiar. What we did is we uh, cut off trade to a country that was giving us a hard time. We surrounded it at sea, mind you. Uh, and then we bombed the shit out of them until they realized it's just like we'd really like to go back to how things were, guys. That is a modern tactic still. So we treated the sea back then the way we treat the air today. You know what I mean? it's mm-hmm. whatever country fucks mm-hmm. with us, we go ahead and have to get involved with them. Now, the, the ultimate folly here for the poor boys of the Barbary Coast is that their pirating way of life pretty much gets uh, destroyed. It, once America shows the rest of the world the blueprint for how to beat these fuckers, uh, yeah. nobody else is paying tribute. You don't pay tribute to an empire in decline. you know. So uh, in the Second Barbary War, it's pretty much a consensus victory. Uh, they wind up caving in on a lot of things. Uh, oddly, uh, Algers gets invaded – uh, you want to guess what country? Mm. Go ahead. You go. Well, it, it still is. A, there, there's a lot of um, cultural impact to this day. Uh, the French invade Algeria.
0: That's right. So there's now, a huge French influence there still, is Yeah, there
2: it's a French. Uh, now, some of the coolest uh, architecture in the entire world because you have um, you had the, the Muslim synthesis ye- like uh, centuries earlier um, that took from the Greeks. So this whole like, argument of cultural appropriation. Uh, it's almost you don't have a good culture if it's not being appropriated. So the Muslims are coming over, bringing in a lot of their stuff, uh, but they're also ripping off the Greeks, and they're coming in and they're coming into Sicily, and then the uh, the Roman influence is coming in over there.
1: Oh, it's almost like that uh fucking winged hussars costume that they fucking very win much in the so.
2: Yeah, wow. So it gets really cool because uh, these cold. Uh, what winds up happening is when France goes in there, France now takes over Algeria, and we talked about what France is about to deal with. Algeria winds up in a very weird way under Napoleonic control. So if you go to war with America, we tend to be really good in the concession. We're very kind to our enemies after the fight. It's like a Floyd Mayweather thing. We talk the most shit possible, and then we say, man, he's a great fighter. He's a good guy. You know. So yeah. we wind up um, – th- the influence over North Africa is weird. It's kind of uh, – Somalia still has a pirate problem over there. But for the most part, uh, Europe kind of descended on North Africa at this point. And uh, they've, they've really – It's a completely different part of the continent uh, because of that whole sub-Saharan thing they have because the desert was – I mean that was the natural border. There was no – you didn't need to build a wall. You had a goddamn (laughs) desert (laughs) and nobody was ever going to cross that thing, man. So North Africa has this very, very weird, very interesting culture that is uh, oddly at times very pro-Western and a a lot of that is because of the Barbary Wars and also the uh, idea of the American superpower – Uh, Came from the idea that we wanted to have the best navy in the world because we ripped it off from the British because the British stopped paying our bills. (laughs) (laughs) Our easy (laughs) pass, and we had to get out there on our own and handle some shit, man. But it was uh, it was really cool. And the Barbary Wars are just not um, they don't get the press covers that they deserve, man. Because this is these are like fascinating wars. The burning of the Philadelphia is fascinating. Decatur is one of the baddest dudes I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yeah, and uh, again, this is uh, all the things that we're doing here are things that we've ripped off and copied. Uh, for decades afterwards. Yeah, well,
0: that's the thing. It just ignited so much uh, uh, new new things and, and kind of pushed uh, history faster. Th- yeah. That makes no sense.
3: It does not. It pushed
0: history faster.
2: Uh, I know Absolutely what you're saying. <laughs> I, I know you're being hard on yourself, but you're actually very right, too, because um, – they talk about this, too, where uh, history happens and uh, everything's <clears throat> slow until it speeds up for a second. And it's sped up real fast for yeah. us post-revolution because now we have a standing navy. We've never not had one since. No. And it's all thanks to these motherfuckers in Algeria. That <laughs> <laughs> makes me wonder when we would have initiated a navy had well, we not had this trouble. It's a, it makes you wonder because uh, uh, Canada has a navy. They just don't have an aggressive overseas policy. They don't play away games. Um,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no. No. But, uh, yeah, no, they get uh, they get fascinating, man. And it's um, the Barbary Wars. Anybody who wants to look this up and Google it, there is a, a free um, uh, history channel. used to do a show called In Search of History that I really liked. And it's an old-school um, documentary. And they did it. It's a 45-minute one. It's up on YouTube. And we checked it out. We pulled a lot of really cool research from that one here. But um, am I leaving anything out before we wrap up here, guys? I don't think so, right? You got to have something, no?
3: I don't got nothing. Nothing. No, I...
2: Well, because so. just the pictures, some of the paintings that people I want to look at.
1: <laughs> I love the pictures. We don't have video on this podcast yet. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. You can't, you can't appreciate uh, I brought enough it. for everybody. <laughs> oh, my God.
2: <laughs> well, that being said, I can't think of a better interlude, Mr. You, C You don't want the ones in my back. <laughs>
3: Uh, and I love you, me. but
2: uh, your dad has taken over as my favorite guest now. Um, so, uh, Mr. C just busted out a couple of uh, uh, American cheeseburgers, baby. It's uh, what, doesn't did, he get any more American than McDonald's. Did we just win the uh, the college football championship or something? I mean, what's going on here? It's Sunday. There's no Chick fil A in Jersey. Um, That's right. But that being said, uh, I, I, I'm going to wrap up here in a second. Uh, <clears> this was uh, it's one of my favorite topics ever because you just don't know anything about it. It's not covered. In textbooks, American history students in school are not learning anything about this. No. no, yeah, it's crazy, too. Well, we get buried a lot, so... I
1: think we did briefly talk about, um, like, just literally just mentioned the Barber Wars and then went on to something else in history. There's a lot that gets...
0: Yeah, it was a footnote at best.
1: W- yeah, exactly, and it's a, it's more than a footnote.
2: <laughs> and a lot of other um, global powers were involved, too. So this, um, this idea of... Uh, the Great War being the the, the first time all of the powers were coming together. Now this is there's a lot of interests here. The Turks are interested in what's going on with uh, their Ottoman Empire, if you will. Uh, you got Morocco. France is paying attention to what we're doing. Uh, the UK is paying attention because guess what? When you beat the Barbary pirates, everybody doesn't have to pay that bill all of a sudden. It's like going to a house party and just robbing everybody blind. Um, uh. But uh, Mr. C, uh, this was awesome having you here. You busted out a couple of burgers. You have something I love. I've loved it for years because I was living in Florida when you started it. You have a, a blog online oh, where you do burger reviews. I do. Well, talk to me, sir.
0: It's, it's a very Mickey Mouse, very, very simplified review blog.
2: Well, while I have a second here, I'm going to ask you, uh, What is the, uh, we're in Monmouth County right now. What, what's the best burger in Monmouth County? Monmouth? I don't, I don't know if there is one. What about Jersey?
0: It's a subjective thing. Okay. There's, there's no right or we wrong. We still
1: taste. value your opinion. You're the first burger in Jersey.
2: Wow! Which is the best one you've had recently? I sure do love White Mana. Where does that rank for you? Uh, White Mana,
0: Jersey City. Yes.
2: Yes, sir. Hackensack, not so much.
0: Not so much. <laughs> well, uh, Jersey City, absolutely. They're still cranking them out the way they used to. Krugs in Newark. Have you had been there? No. no. Krug's, Krugs in bar, Newark. Dear Lord. <laughs> you know, for dozens of years, dozens i got to tell my
2: years. buddy uh, Gordon Baker Bone He they're, was telling me uh, yeah. All about uh, Newark And the, the great hole in the wall place you can eat Unbelievable Three quarter pound burgers
0: 100% Chuck I don't know what they do to them But they're constantly Being rated number
2: one <laughs> oh, I like And they that.
0: are They are Out of this world
2: Fantastic then All right Hey uh, anybody want to check out Krug's over in Newark Do me a favor uh, I trust Mr. C On this stuff <laughs> <laughs> There was a Well I remember uh, What we used to do Because um, before I was able to drink, we'd come over and, um, you know, cause, uh, it's got older sisters, right? So they would come home from college. You guys mm-hmm. were walking into your house one time and you guys were all enjoying yourselves at a family party. And aunt and I walked in and, uh, I, I want to say maybe you were a senior in high school, aunt, and I was a junior. And, uh, we got, we would get sent out for the, uh, McDonald's run at the end of the night. And, oh yeah.
3: Do you remember I, his famous, uh, word? What was, he always used it to tell me?
2: number seven with Big
3: Macs? No, 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 not what he used to order, but what he used to say to us. No talk my to My father me. always used to say, You fly, I'll buy. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. That's right. Uh-huh. Kept me on the couch for yeah. you.
0: <laughs> no Great. Was, uh, You guys were my grub hub. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> He'd be like, you, you guys are still I, up at I, one in the I, morning? I invented. Well, White that Castle's now. got another hour to it. <laughs>
2: oh man. No, that part was beautiful, man. But it was <laughs> mm-hmm. uh no nothing but uh, excellent memories too, uh, uh, with you guys here. So that's why I'm so happy to have you on the show. Hey, um, you had anything you want to say before we head out? Um, no, I think I'm good. I, I enjoyed our time. Thank you. No, I drink hate billet you. bourbon. It's a yeah. Drink uh bullet bourbon. Is, this is responsible for. Uh, this is the uh, the most. Uh, uh, it's, like, it's, it's product bullet, wise, bullet,
0: by the way, not billet. Billet. It's not birdseed. <laughs> <laughs> it's not made from birdseed. Uh, anyway, sorry. this product. Billet.
2: No, this product has uh, led us to uh, one of our most uh, talkative episodes there, which I like because uh, the other sponsor we had was coffee, and. Um, <laughs> You want alcohol involved because alcohol slows things down a little bit, so you sometimes you choose your words more carefully or you let something develop for a second. When uh, everybody's drinking the Death Wish coffee we've had in here, which is fantastic coffee, by the way, it's just a room full of three people on cocaine trying to talk at the same yeah. time. Your
0: ass
2: <laughs> tightens up. Yeah, you look great. You look great. Everything's great. <laughs> so, uh, Cahoons, we kept you out uh, late on a Sunday here. but uh,
1: I'm not even mad. I missed you, man.
2: I know. I missed you too, buddy. Uh, thank you for coming in for this one. Thank you to Mike Always. and Ming over at a Shared Universe studio. If you guys thank like you the, the show – um we love doing this man i operate at a deficit i say that a lot on the show here but i'm not asking for your money i'm asking you to leave me a review we got um i hate to say this we got our first two-star review on itunes uh everything else has been five-star and very uh very uh you know forthcoming with, was it uh, the russians russian collusion i'm not sure because we're actually still trending in russia so uh i think russia likes to blame us. russia on this one some, which um, fuck
0: you, russia. Russia, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna listen uh we're gonna lose some algerian listeners after this one um But no, uh, we have a lot of fun with this show, guys. Uh, We're still growing it. Uh, If you can like us on SoundCloud uh, or iTunes, however you listen to podcasts, uh, we are sitting down to get us on uh, Libsyn, Stitcher, and uh, Pandora, all that other stuff. Uh, We're having a great time with this. And just to be fair, if you leave a review, it helps out. All right, that's all I'm asking. I'm not doing much else. Um, Next episode, we have South Beach Larry. We'll be back. All right, because he comes back for the month of March to celebrate St. Patrick's Day. Because we're stereotypes. Because <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's uh, that's when his that's really his time of the year. I believe that's
2: when his band. It's his time to shine. Yeah, yeah. He'll be playing bagpipes. Correct? He, uh, he sure uh, He very much will. And uh, I'm actually excited to – No stereotype I, there. I just found out um, I'm going to be over at uh, Levity Live with Lynn Coplets on uh, in March. I believe the eighth, uh, ninth. I'm sorry, the eighth and tenth. Uh, so I'm we'll over there with Lynn Cobb. It's one of the funniest comics in America. I love her. And uh, then uh, March 9th, I'm opening for uh, Bobby Kelly down at Uncle Vinny's Comedy Club. And uh, I actually had a very interesting moment here recently, guys. Uh, on Monday, I don't know if Ant saw it um, or told you, Mr. C., I opened for Chris Kattan from SNL.
0: Oh, oh I think I saw that.
2: Yeah. He, I uh, did not see that. Was there a photo? Uh, there was. I put it up on uh, the okay. Instagram and the old Facebook, man. Yes, congrats. Man, but, uh, no, very, very nice guy. Chris Kattan. <laughs> yeah, is, is he, he, he um, short and as very short. He <laughs> he's very short. <laughs> very short. And he actually, uh, I appreciated this about him. He, um, within the first two minutes of his show, he goes up there, he's talking to everybody. He gets a uh, standing ovation. Everybody's clapping, going nuts for him. And uh, then he uh, he calms everybody down. He goes, all right, good, good. Good to be here. He goes, let's uh, let's get this out of the way. And then he just, uh, he points to the back. And uh, the DJ in the back hits, baby, don't hurt me. <laughs> and he just does, he goes for a second. He goes, get your cameras out now, and then they got to go away. Yeah. So, but very cool. Man. That's fantastic. Um Cahoon, thank you for being here. Uh, behind the ones and twos, buddy. Uh Always. Bullet Whiskey needs to sponsor this goddamn show. Bullet Whiskey and uh, uh Death Wish Coffee. We mix those two together. We get a uh, very American coffee. <laughs> but uh <laughs> C thank you for coming on sir. Thank you for all no, the kindness you show me. I thank you for years. having me. Uh, so I, I love that you listen blast. to it. it means a lot. And then uh, you, you know how much I love you. you know. Yeah,
3: I love you too. We Guys, we still just just to plug my dad's blog cuz I know he's not going to uh, just Google Bill Cianci, and it's the first thing that pops up.
2: A handsome man, too, not for nothing. Uh,
3: well, I think his grandkids are the pitcher. So you, there you go. Well, the way we always, of uh, seeing the handsome uh,
2: man. The way we always go out on here is we like to, um, uh, we, we typically say the name of the loser, and then we say, uh, and that was so and so American loser. But for this one, it's uh, there's too many things at play here. So um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that the loser in this is uh, Pasha Youssef alright because uh, he lost his empire there's yeah. no longer a pirate way of life over there really uh, they got uh, settled in by France the shit kicked out of them by America uh, Stephen Decatur did his uh, his nonsense over there
1: only one yeah. winning thing he helped us define the word badass
2: ooh I like what you're doing Cahoons um, but hey man on that note guys that cool. was uh, that was the Barbary Wars American Loser thank you
3: an American
1: loser the day I was born Loser, the day I was born. That American loser, the day I was born.